That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no, no. You are. You defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Knocker Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 400th edition of the Jobberknocker. I am always here. I am Nestle Mania, always alongside for the right as a man that has been here for most of those 400. And some might say he's carried me through 400, JC. Some might even call me phenomenal. Someone might call me him. You know, I got all sorts of monikers I can go with. 400 of them, in fact. Do you want me to pull up my list and list them off? We don't have enough time for that. Armbar. <laughs> Saskatchewan. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, 400 episodes. Thank you for chilling out with us today. A special uh, Jobber Wednesday, as we remember back in the day with our boy Ben. Uh, that used to be the original Jobber Wednesday. This is when we started, right? Jobber Wednesdays. We used to do this every Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday mornings around now it was like a le- 10 or 11, but oh, okay. yeah, a little earlier today. Well, we all got lives, right? Anyway, uh, JC's running on Dunkin's. As you can see, the shirt, buy it over at tpublic.com slash jobberknocker. I am also representing a Nestlemania shirt because, well, frankly, I you know have zero riz, so that's fine. And uh, we're going to start off with a lot of stuff here. We got this is technically our last knocker of the season, and uh, last I'm, live knocker of the season. That's fair because Nestlemania, much like Tony Khan, we have a lot of important announcements because, like you said, this is Jobber Knocker 400, the last live knocker of 2023, and we're going to hit on everything you need to know from Raw, from SmackDown. Phenomenal returns. Hit on a little AEW at the end, but Nestlemania next week. Next week for you. It's award season. And there's only one award show that stands above the rest because they're golden. And it's a pair of big, beautiful knockers, baby. The golden knockers will be coming next week for your uh, holiday surprise. Uh, whenever, you know, whenever we decide to put them out. But could be a little earlier than normal. Just maybe, maybe. So keep your peepers popped for that on uh, social media and your podcasting platform. And WrestleMania, it's the holiday season. So like you said, deck yourself out on tpublic.com slash jobberknocker. But know what else you should do in WrestleMania? Especially since we're not going to be live for the knockers. You should subscribe on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, all the other platforms. And you should also like those videos. Maybe leave a comment. Five stars, five flames. Because, you know, it's the holiday season. We'd appreciate it. And, you know, I can give you a little bit of, like, nice relaxing ASMR since it is the morning. Um, to kind of, like lubricate your ears so you feel ready for the day and then i'm gonna come in and just <laughs> pound yeah different right. kind of asmr <laughs> <laughs> all right well anyway we should probably get into the show we always start in the shine the most positive part of the program i'm trying to sit here there's a lot to talk about especially on monday night raw i thought raw was fan fucking tastic uh across the board uh smackdown did have some highlights of course but uh josh i'm sorry who the fuck is josh who the fuck what the fuck is going on here in WrestleMania? I'm well, sorry. always in the shine, much like Mandy Rose, who will be coming back in the 2024 Royal Rumble, probably winning it, 
Probably not, but you never know because she at least like likes wrestling, unlike Lacey Evans did. But that's a whole nother story in WrestleMania that wouldn't be a shine topic. But yeah, like you mentioned, I thought WWE almost do a perfect game this week with Raw and SmackDown. There was one segment of Raw that I literally fell asleep to uh, when I was watching, and you can usually guess they it's you know someone who's been better lately and a guy that. You know, that's usually the two guys that put me to sleep on Raw, and we'll get there. So we're not talking about them to shine, but we have to start. I'm going to start on SmackDown because I agree. Raw was awesome. But I thought SmackDown was pretty solid. And you know what? There's a guy who's going to be nominated in the Knockers next week for a little preview for most underutilized because he hasn't been around a lot. And when he is, they don't really use him much. But he kind of had a phenomenal impact on SmackDown. But we'll start from the beginning because he wasn't the only one to come back. The Tribal Chief came back this week in WrestleMania. Finally, Roman Reigns, who's... I don't even think he's nominated for any knockers because that motherfucker is, well, he's part of moments, I guess, but he's been off, so he doesn't run on Duncan. He runs on a fucking sitting on his goddamn island like a chooch, but he came back. He named Solo his tribal heir. Randy Orton comes out. Almost RKO's Roman says, you know, I'm still a legend killer if you're calling yourself a legend. And daddy's back. You know, we love that. Main event, I believe it was. Randy beats Jemmy. Bloodline, blah, blah, blah. Same old story. Beat him down. L.A. Night. Yeah. But you know, then he gets beat down. So what do they need in WrestleMania? AJ Styles is back, baby. And uh, he made the save. Did a little thing. And you're thinking, oh, man, here we go. Six-man tagapalooza. But AJ Styles, much like LA Knight, says, ah! He turned heel on LA Knight. Yeah! And he's back. And we're ready to go. And I'm excited because it's Rumble season, WrestleMania. So you need all the big dogs back in the yard. He looked phenomenal. He looked jacked. It was just like... Somebody must have said to him, oh, Randy Orton looks yoked. Maybe you should too. And like, Jesus Christ, it's like someone Maybe actually- they were cycling said, together. Exactly. Someone was like, it's like the new era is just, let's get back on the cycle. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he looked like a cheese grater. Like that thing was fucking, like the top of his body looked fucking ripped. You know what I mean? And then it was just like, oh, then your mind goes into different places. It's like, oh, he's dressed in all black. And there was this, you know, he was before the Bullet Club, AJ, he was doing this awesome stuff in Impact Wrestling where he was like a loner and just like hated and just like misunderstood. And I was just like, oh, more of that, please. Because if you can replicate what Max doing over on SmackDown with AJ Styles, like, I think that'd be really cool. I, I really do. I think seeing him be like kind of just like pissed off in general is good because happy go lucky AJ Styles. We've seen that before, right? We don't want none. So I, I I want it. I, I want some. I want some of the phenomenal. I want a forearm. I want some cranky AJ. Let's do it. Yeah, AJ, I think, has always been a better heel. Said about a lot of people. And obviously, we get why he's a babyface a lot of the time. Very well-liked guy. Has an awesome moveset. And he's he's an okay babyface. But as a heel, it's just, you got to let the man cook. And we're getting in the twilight years of AJ Styles, man. I mean, he's pretty much a part-timer at this point. So when he's around and when he's being utilized, I want him in a big deal feuds and I want him as a heel and on SmackDown. It makes so much sense for him to do it. LA Knight, yeah, needs something to do. This is a great matchup. It's someone who can maybe highlight things that LA isn't as good at. Um, it's a feud that I think makes sense. I know you were a little skeptical at first, but I had to remind you, Nestlemania, that AJ Styles was supposed to be the one fighting Roman Reigns at, I believe, the Jeweled Crowns, but he got taken out by the bloodline and LA Knight, yeah, took his spot. So they could go that angle there for a little animosity, but I think it works because we obviously, um, if you read the spoilers, you can see what's happening at day one. We're not going to do spoilers on the show. We'll preview the uh, pre-tape SmackDown on Friday later in the show, but it appears that, you know, um, Randy might have an edge but we'll see. Uh, 
but it makes sense. Like we're in rumble season two. So you want these kind of major feuds between people, storylines that can play out in the rumble. It's a, gives a little freshness to SmackDown, a show that has been very vanilla down the stretch. So I'm all for it. I'm pumped and Jack because heel AJ styles is my AJ styles. So Going off of what you just said about him, you know, attacking a uh, sorry, attacking LA Knight because LA Knight took his yeah. opportunity and all that shit. I, I get it, but it, it's almost like I I, I don't I, I understand that hair thin logic and that you can I can buy into it. It's always but it's like hair. it is it is. Well, AJ has phenomenal hair. Big ups to that hair. That's probably the best wrestling hair of all time. But um, I digress. I was thinking like. Why do people get upset about the wrong people attacking them or like having an issue with somebody else? I don't get that. It's like Max mad at Jimmy. I'm sorry, mad at Jay, but he should be mad at Roman and Solo because Roman and Solo are the people that fuck him, but it's always Jay Uso. And then you go over to SmackDown, it's like LA Knight, but the fucking bloodline took out AJ Styles. And it's just, I don't understand. It's realistic. Think about it in real life all the time. People always have misplaced anger to the wrong people. It's just, it's an, it's just anomalous human nature because it's one of those things. It's just, it's something that our brains do. It's like, whether it's a person or a thing, people tend to like direct their ire in the wrong directions. It's a, and in wrestling, you just turn it up to 11, baby. And I, I just, that's why I think it works. And it just obviously like, you know, when you're watching wrestling, you, you have to always like, try to look for reasons like it's because it's like you can't always not everyone's going at Roman Reigns for a while so it's like you need these guys to play on the side so it works in that direction but I just think it's one of those things that you know and a lot of the times in the moment like especially a heel is someone who's misunderstood or someone who's like going through something like we've talked about Drew's the perfect example in his mind he doesn't think he's doing anything wrong he's just so fed up so you know what I think AJ's like like you mentioned off the top, heading in that direction as well, where he thinks he's in the right. He's pissed off. LA Knight's taking his spot. AJ believes he should be in that spot. So it's just it's one of those things. It's it's human nature. It's jealousy. It's wanting what you can't have or seeing someone else succeed in a spot that you believe you should be in, and you misdirect your anger at that person instead of the big bad. Think about in work environments all the time. People get mad at their boss. They take it out on their coworkers. It's just it's a human type thing. Wrestling's the same way. So I dig it, sucker. It was a long diatribe. I have all the diatribes this morning, baby, because I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah, he's, he's capped up on... I uh, rolled out of bed 25 minutes ago. I know, to do this program today, folks, so I appreciate it. Uh, something else that uh, is interesting to me about this entire thing that we didn't really get into, but I, I, I want to get into, the tribal air with Jimmy mm. and Solo. I think that's an interesting... Because I don't think this is what it's going to happen. Like, I don't think they're going to turn Jimmy babyface because they already have Jay. Right. So that's not going to happen. What I think, at least this is what I'm detecting, so to speak, is that Roman Reigns was like, it's promotion season. It's promotion season. Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to promote, you know, him to be the next tribal heir. But what I also thought about was if you went backstage and, and listened to that promo very carefully, where he's like, you know, Jimmy's thinking, well, why don't you ask the tribal heir since he's a tribal heir? You know, that whole thing and like trying to be funny about it. And then he was wondering whether it's a setup or not. It felt like a lot of similarities to me where it was kind of very similar to Jay Uso when Jay Uso was going to be the right-hand man. So now I'm thinking in order to get Jimmy in place to even remotely come close to being even in sniffing in categories where Jay Uso is now, maybe he becomes the right-hand man of Roman Reigns or, you know, Solo or something like that. 
because I think that would be at least interesting going forward. Yeah, I think it makes sense because that's kind of the games that Roman's always played is the mind games. And we saw it really worked on Jay for a long time where Roman would manipulate him into really doing what he wanted and making him just that pawn. And I think this is his way of trying to get Jimmy back in the line by making him so focused on trying to impress Roman. So I think that makes sense. And yeah, like you mentioned, eventually we know this is going to come full circuit with Jay and they're probably the, I would say 90% doing Jimmy versus Jay at WrestleMania. So it makes sense to get there. You want Jimmy to look strong at the hand at the, of the tribal chief when he's taking on Jay uh, and hopefully Roman's taking on Cody. So. Well, here's hoping you never know, but if Codester just keeps on uh, doing side quest, Cody, Cody, we're not talking about that. He oh, just he just said hi to the Creed brothers this week. So yeah, good. exactly, exactly. Oh my God, Cody Rhodes! I was just like, oh God damn it, that's so. Funny. I mean, we, I'd be like that too. I'd be like, oh my God, Cody Rhodes. We'll ask, we'll ask TJ when he met Cody Rhodes at work if that was pretty cool or not. The it was the at work. I'm sure TJ was a fine professional. And bonus points for TJ sliding in a fucking jobber knocker sticker to him and Brandy in the the. the uh, the envelope for the, uh, the the check. Yeah, you know what I heard is when Cody went in for the neck tattoo, he actually asked for the Jobberknocker logo on his neck, but they said it was too complex, so they gave him the nightmare instead. That's that's what happened at Lids. That's why we can't have the full logo in a cap. So I I would believe that 100. percent Yeah, the neck's even harder to work on than a hat. So that, that's true. Uh, anything else that you find very positive? Yeah, let's jump over to Raw because there was a lot a lot of good shit on Raw and uh, Nestlemania. I mean, we had some banners, but I want to start with the new champions. Women's Tag Team Wrestling, also nominated next week for the Knockers, but they finished strong, I think, for 2023. I've talked about it, especially since Caden and Katana have been uh, called up. They are a real women's tag team. They have been together. They're good friends. They wear the same outfits. They have a unique set of tag team moves that we don't really see, especially in this division, and they do moves that we've probably never seen ever because of their athleticism. They pick up the big win. Uh surprisingly unsurprisingly i don't know what your take is over chelsea and piper i'm thrilled for them because these two girls have worked their ass off they've been in the system for a while they're people who really had to earn the respect of people they're obviously they mentioned it over and over again the two smallest women in the division so you already know they have big hurdles to climb they overcame them they're champions they got their picture with triple h and i think it kind of sets the tag team division in a good spot going into 2024 um we already have at day one which we'll talk later there's a number one contender match we're doing number one contender matches for the women's tag titles which i think is a good sign so hopefully in the new year it's something that they really try to focus on and flush out this division get more teams get more like rivalries and get more good wrestling on tv because they gave this match time i thought everyone shined and i was very happy to see the new champs I thought the crowd was really the barometer, right? If the crowd doesn't react to it, then I think it's probably a shitty match or a shitty moment or whatever. But that crowd popped for him, and I mm -hmm. thought, fantastic. Like like you said, I think what helps this specific team, like you said, is the move set. Because no matter what happens in that match, whether they get two minutes, three minutes, seven minutes, 12 minutes, whatever, which would be great if they got 12, yeah. the moves that you see are what get the reactions in that particular case when they don't necessarily know, you know, these women as well as, as they probably should, you know, chance and Carter are doing a great job being a they're great. New. They're very new. They're very new in terms of like yeah. what the rest of the audience have seen, but it goes a long way saying that that those tag team moves are phenomenal and they're only going to improve because all I could think about was, I think that a baby face tag team is what we need right now on those, those tag titles, because I saw that there's a couple of tag teams kind of jockeying for position if we look closely in the promo department that they've been having on Raw and SmackDown. So I'll be curious to see what happens. I'd like to see them interact on SmackDown as well, maybe even go to NXT, but 
probably not gonna yeah, happen. be those fire bitches on TV. Caden Nikatana versus <laughs> Alba and Isla, baby. That's what that's my long term goal. But no, I think I think you hit it on the head of kind of how I feel too. Is the you know obviously we always talk about how heel champions are better for the most part, blah blah. But I think in this particular case, when you want to highlight the division and you want to highlight wrestling. You put these two in the rain almost every week, have them defending those titles and just having matches, showing off their moveset. I think it just creates some excitement. It'll highlight other women too. So I think they're the right call right now, and I'm glad they pulled the trigger. Hmm. I w- I don't want to say too much because I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but there there are a lot of tag teams that you kind of forget about. you know. When when But now it's like they woke up. I, I do want to give Chelsea and Piper their flowers, especially Chelsea. We know Chelsea's a – you know, an, an amazing talent going forward. She's going to be just fine. Piper though, kind of slid in after that whole thing happened with Sonia. Yeah. And, and, but she did a great job, you know, like she didn't really fit, but she made it fit the best way she possibly could and made, you know, chicken salad out of chicken shit. So, I mean, I just thought they did a great job holding on to those things. And because I forgot who they beat for them. You know what I mean? Like when I was thinking about it, I'm like, who the fuck did they beat for them? I can't remember. I, I, I don't. And that's how long they've had. You know I don't either, but WrestleMania, you know, um, it is, it's not only Christmas season and Hanukkah season and Kwanzaa season, it's also Festivus season. And, you know, even though we're in the shine, it's a good time to bring up, you know, a list of grievances because that's what we do at Festivus. And um, I noticed this week when I was watching that Samantha Irvin usually has a very unique way of announcing it's Chelsea Green, but this week she didn't do it. And I saw her say on Twitter that she was told she was not allowed to do it. So Nestlemania, my grievance, number one of the show. We'll see if I even remember to do more grievances later, but we're doing this on the fly. Grievance number one, WWE, let Samantha announce people how she wants. It's Chelsea Green should be a staple of the show every week. So there's grievance number one. I'll keep a running tally. All right. I'm sure you're gonna have plenty of grievances in the in the in the heat, but well, that's I what I'm to make for. sure I got this in here because it it dawned on me. I saw that yesterday and it made me upset because let the girl cook. She's one of yeah. the best things you got going. Speaking of cooking, who's cooking better than Gunther and the Miz? Mm. Can I just say that? Jesus Christ! Mm. Like I didn't think they were gonna outdo their Survivor Series match, but as I was watching this, I went, "Wow, here comes hamburger meat. Here comes him. It was better. It absolutely mm-hmm. was better. 100 by far. And again. For anybody that says the Miz can't wrestle, shut the fuck. They're up. morons. The same people who said like Cena and Roman couldn't wrestle. It's like you don't watch. You don't watch them. Go away. He's he's not he's not going to fucking you know put on a Daniel Bryan Bryan Danielson fucking you know walnut credenza in the middle of the ring. But like he's doing fine. He does what he needs to do in the WWE system. That's a wrestler in the WWE system. But Gunther, the fact that he had to go after the arm again and and the can chopping and then you know telling an excellent story, but the match really was just wonderful through and through. I thought the second rope, you know, skull crushing finale was a great little falsy to hook people in. They did a great job making people believe that the Miz had a shot. And I think that's what it's all about. Making sure he has a shot. <coughs> yeah. There were moments where you felt like he, like, especially like, it was like, Oh my God. Like when he set up the skull crushing and he had all these moments where it's like, Oh wow, they might actually do it. And they had that in the first match, but I thought they even captured even better in this match. This match. I just like, I think it being a rematch kind of gave the story a little bit more because you had that anticipation of like, this is the, they, they do it every now and then, but this is the last shot with a champion. And as we've seen, Gunther's had that thing forever. So who knows how much even longer he'll have it now. So, you know, Miz not getting an icy title shot. I think he's like, what is he a nine time champion or eight time champion? He's eight. He's he got it nine to He's top. going for nine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it just, it's, it's crazy that, um, and, but I just thought that story worked for it. I'm glad it was on a raw. And I think that's why this raw felt bigger is you had, 
three like three big title matches on the show as well as other things. I think the other thing too is let's not forget that being in Survivor Series now with War Games having like 30, 40, maybe even an hour for each of those War Games really kind of sucks for the other matches. So not I don't feel like that match was rushed, but it did feel shorter than it needed to be. And I felt like we got a little bit of a more like just expanded version of probably what they wanted to do a Survivor Series. So I just I just want both of them to just go off and continue to excel because they're doing they're doing great work going forward. Yeah, Miz will probably be in the Rumble, and as we saw, Gunther um, likely going home for the holidays. So good for him seeing seeing his family as he's gonna take a couple weeks off. He gave that warning to uh, Ludwig and uh, Geo to figure it out while he's gone. So every time I see him yell. It just makes me think of like, man, this this guy is like, he's going to be a big deal no matter what. He just is. Gunther Gunther's going to be. He know, already is a big deal. He's he going to be even bigger. But he's going to be even bigger. But all he's I can an think end about, boss type heel. It's yeah. perfect. But the other thing that bothers me about it was like, he would be making so much more ruckus and probably maybe not as much money, but like Hogan would have fucking loved to work with somebody mm. like that. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, like. That's an old school heel, right? Like that is like a, oh my God, this guy could beat Hulkamania in two minutes kind of person. And I think that's why people attach themselves to him. Like the new people that love wrestling, wrestling love him. And the people that are casual fans from the 80s and 90s are like, this guy's fucking awesome because that's where your brain trains to. And I think that's kind of why across the board, I don't see a lot of people hating on him. I, I don't. You can't, you just can't, you can't. I think it was one of those things like people cried about the name change and all this, but it was just like the guy, he's just, he's just good. He's just very good. And you can't deny how good he is and how much better he just continues to get. Like it's just one of those guys. He always delivers, always delivers. All right. Moving on. Anything else? Meat match of the week. Nestlemania. It's not going to be one you expect. It was a fun match. It was, I don't, I don't think it was a job ruler. I think we got well past it, but, uh, Tazawa challenged the meat of Ivar Nestlemania. And, uh, obviously Ivar does pick up the win, but this was a fun little match, man. Every time I watch Tazawa, I'm just like, dude, this guy is so good. He is just so good. He's funny, but in the rain, he's just fun. He just rolls around. I love his, I usually hate stupid moves. Like it's like the, the, the falling without whatever, but Tazawa does the fucking fall so perfectly with his little centaur drop. It's just, it's, it's such a funny sight, but this was a fun match. It's like, I never believed that maybe Tazawa was going to win, but when you see something like that, you expect a two minute squash, but they let Tazawa get his shit in. He is just clicking on all cylinders with the alpha Academy out there with Maxine, or then we're after Valhalla again, but this is a fun little, match this was kind of a theme of raw even these little matches were super fun uh, you took the words right out of my mouth when i all i kept thinking to myself was he's so good at the comedic stuff it's nice to see him show off his move set and that he's actually not a joke because he's not he former cruiserweight champion do, does what he does for a very good reason and but the other thing is is like the fact that he can switch from being funny to going to being like i'm watching him evade then he's got a spin kick then he's running around and he's doing this and he's doing that uh, thank you. Like he, he's working the WWE system perfectly. And I think mm -hmm. that's important because there are some people who are really higher up on the card who can't do both. They only have one gear, but I'm telling you right now, I look at Tazawa and I say, that is one of the most valuable people you have on your roster. Because as we've talked about this program and it's a JC term, but it's a plug and play, right? It, that's exactly yep. what he is. And he excels at everything he does. Because if you ask someone to just be funny and that's their thing, great. You'll be in backstage segments. 
that'll probably never get paid off, right? But Tazawa can do both. And I think that's how crucial he is to the program. I agree. And you know who else is crucial to the program, WrestleMania? Because we're going to the beginning of Raw now. It's the holiday season. That means we're having Miracle on 34 Street Fights. And this year, they had a super fun one with us. It was a loser leave Judgment Day match between R-Truth and JD. This R-Truth Judgment Day thing, like, it's one of those things I want to hate it because I want the Judgment Day to be serious. But it is just so fucking funny. Like, R-Truth is just so easy. Like, it's just like Tazawa. He is also a treasure. And a guy you can stick in any situation and be entertaining. And JD obviously has taken a lot of lumps, but there's a reason he's in those spots to take the lumps is because he's he's literally the new Dolph Ziggler. And for a guy that's a freaking in his rookie year, that is like one of the highest praises you can get. He has been one of the most utilized NXT call-ups we've seen in a long time. He's all over our screens every week. He has four to five segments on Raw. He's following Dom and Rhea and whatever, they, whatever show they're going on. So this guy has had more exposure than uh, most NXT call-ups have in their first like three years. So it's a great year for him. This is obviously we know we can go in the rain. It was fun. He made Truth look great. I love like the, the funny finish that we had with Truth getting the win. And then you get the <laughs> backstage segment later where he goes, I'm not actually out of Judgment Day, right? And they're just like, yeah, Priest has got to be a dick and then it was funny when they all like left and dom was like hey hey at least you're still in judgment day man <laughs> it's just like him and dom are funny because they're like the kids of judgment day it's just yeah. it's, it's, it works man but this was a lot of fun and our boy bursky's in here before he has to uh, return to work saying happy 400 thank you bursky we appreciate everything that you do for us and uh you know following along i will say this much i love nothing when it comes to the miracle on 34th street i fucking hate these things all the time i hate holiday cheer i must be the grinch and the you know a cold miser and everything else in between i must be scrooge everything kofi right? claus would definitely give you a lump of coal like he did Luffy. kofi claus would give me a lump of coal and then they say like what's up with that or something weird like you know you know what's the matter buddy uh, that's Hurricane, I guess. But uh, I was going to say you're yeah. crossing. Yeah. I didn't know we had Hurricanes. Hurricanes. Sorry. Stand I was saying, back. There's a Hurricanes coming through. You know what it is? Is that I'm teaching my, my son to say, what's up with that? So that's why it's mm. on my brains. He does that a lot. Um, no, but you're right about R-Truth winning. The other thing, too, that I really, really enjoyed about this is just the little things that R-Truth does, like in the segment where it's like he adds the little tape at the bottom of his shirt to say, and R-Truth. Yeah. And then... <laughs> He'll go in and he'll do the promo and he'll say something and it'll just be like, if you watch what happens with Rhea and, and you know, like Priest and Finn, because you talked about the other two being the kids, it's hysterical because it's like you would think that the two kids would find the childlike, you know, our truth funny. But it's the two kids that have a problem with our truth while the rest of them are just kind of like, what the fuck is going on? You know, and I. I love that dynamic because it's so different from what you would expect. And I just think it's it's going to get us across of some type of finish line, we think, here with, with Judgment Day. And uh, we can talk about – I guess we can parlay it into the main event if you want. I don't know how mm -hmm. you feel about it. Yeah. They were, building up, they were building up those creeds all night long. They did a fantastic job in the match. It's clunky. I think the one thing that – that definitely, it's a really good main event. They were chanting, holy shit. They were having a good time. Julius Creed jumped off and does the whole fucking, you know, springboard nonsense out to the outside. I will talk about the finish, I'm sure, in a second. But I think they did a great job making the Creeds look like a real deal tag team. And, I, and throughout the night, too, like between what they did with Ivy and then, like, you know, the Cody Rhodes thing you joked about. But, like, they're getting the rub. They're getting in and out of there. The one thing I will say that is... It wouldn't work with anybody else but the Creeds, I think. But there's a clunkiness to them 
that yeah, they're big, they're huge, they're big oafs. But like they but don't, they don't like they're in control of their body at a very high level. But then there's like sometimes they're not, and I'm just like, if they were a heel tag team, I don't think it would work right now. But because That's they're funny. baby faces, you're allowing to be like, okay, like I'll I'll buy this clunkiness because I'm gonna be wowed with athleticism after the fact. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, and we saw that transition in NXT. I always bring up how it's like this like they woke up one day we woke up all woke up one day and they were just baby faces on nxt because it's just like their style and the way they wrestle it's like it has to be a baby face because it's like that chaotic fun is the way i'd put it because it's like they are they are so technical obviously they're amateur wrestlers they're phenomenal but it is like the word clunky is good because it just it's it never looks completely smooth even though it really is it's just like the, they're doing like high level moves that people that size shouldn't be doing. And you're mixing that in with their incredible feats of strength. It's just like, these guys are the future of the tag team division in WWE. Like you could see it in NXT. We saw the flashes. They were obviously very raw down there for a while, but once they start hitting their groove, like you can see it's like, it works brought like these brother type tag teams. They always work because it's just like, they stick together. They've been together. They travel together. They know each other. It just, it just, the chemistry works. They look like a tag team. So they are the future. And I think this was WWE being like, look at these guys are next. We're not there yet. I still wouldn't be surprised if eventually, whenever it happens, if judgment day loses, it is to the creeds. And this was kind of like their moment. And now you've knocked them back down and they got to work their way back up. So I wouldn't be surprised, but I think, I mean, obviously before 2024 ends, they're going to be the champs, but I think it's going to be even sooner than that. But I thought this was a big moment for them. And again, my theme of raw was highlighting these types of things, especially the tag division. You have new women's tag team champs. Great look for them. And now your future top tag team was highlighted all night. It's just like more of this in 2024. It was a nice little bow to put on 2023, a year where tag team wrestling really got forgotten in WWE. The other thing I want to bring up now is the finish, right? Like, I don't know where else to put mm -hmm. it because it's not, it's not necessarily heat. It's not necessarily shine, but we're talking about it. So we're going to talk about it. So the three count happens. Julius Creed puts his shoulder up. People are saying it got up before the three count. You see Damian Priest just fucking livid in real life, not necessarily like somebody missed something there. We don't necessarily know if somebody was supposed to kick out, kick out earlier, supposed to have your shoulder up just gently. Yep. We don't know, but it obviously bears that there's going to be some type of rematch going forward. The Rumble. I could see it at the Rumble because I think it makes sense because you could get away. Maybe Finn's in the Rumble, but Priest has money in the bank. He doesn't need to be in the Rumble. It's a way to put them on the show because we usually have, what, three to four other matches sometimes before besides the other Rumble. Um, we're probably going to have, like, the two title matches, maybe a women's title match, and maybe this match would be my guess. So It, just, it was bizarre to me because it's like I know he's angry in the moment, and I'm sure a lot of heat goes back on him when he gets through that curtain, but you don't know if there's a concussion. You don't know if, like – somebody just fucked up like it happens maybe maybe they just didn't hear the three count like that happens too so i mean it's it's tough to see that when i see that on especially the end of the show it puts like a weird taste in your mouth because that that match was phenomenal but the only thing i'm gonna remember for me is like him freaking out at the end you know what i mean and like just looking angry as fuck for you know some type of screw up but it is what it is very quickly before we move on to something else, I am going to ask you this question because I believe this is going to happen. I think they're going to have to change the Brutus Ball finish going forward because I think if you look closely at that doomsday that they hold the guy up and then Brutus bumps into him and then they take the bump, what you've what I've noticed is is that just based on velocity and timing and science is that Brutus actually hits the person and kind of lands 
on them somehow, and it's kind of unprotected and unsafe. So as amazing as it is, as you know, visually it looks awesome, and the crowd erupts for it. We're gonna have to find some type of way to make it safer. I think. Nestle, what do I always say? To it you? ain't ballet, Adam. Who the there fuck? There you is Adam? go. It's one of those things. Look at this is a move they've been doing. It's this is like the move. So it would. I think honestly. If they, if they were going to take it away, something would have to happen. But I think for the most part, it's executed pretty cleanly. But look it. These are called high-risk moves, man. Don't try this at home because these are professionals. There's always a danger. I mean, Samoa Joe's been doing one of the most dangerous moves for fucking two decades. And he's ended people's career with it. And he still does it. So it just, it's, it, you know, it is what it is. You, you see professionals, but it will be up to the company. But I don't think that move's going anywhere, man. Because that is like, that is one of the best tag team moves going right now. Okay, that's fine. I just wanted to ask because I started. I know, I know, I know. It's a, it's a, it's a nestleism, you know. We're all seeing a trend. It. I'm seeing a trend. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, what else you got? This positive. Uh, we're going to SmackDown WrestleMania because I've I've left it this long, but it's just there's been so much good stuff to talk about. My match of the week was on SmackDown. It was a SmackDown debut. It was him because he don't miss. It was a rematch of Banners we had in the past. You put Mello and Waller in the ring together. Mwah. JC's gonna be happy. JC's going to be smiling. The world's going to be smiling. The crowd's going to be reacting because these two, I think we're going to look over the next decade, maybe even longer, that these two, like, it's going to be one of those, like, it's just those rivalries in wrestling where they come together and it's magic. And I think they're always going to be linked because Mello is just such a good wrestling baby face. Waller is like the quintessential heel. Obviously, Mello's a great heel too, but I think these two are just like the next generation of like that ultimate rivalry that no matter when they do it, it'll work. I think this was a perfect debut match to Mello for Mello because Waller knows exactly how to highlight him and make him look awesome. Obviously, Mello picks up the big win, advances in the tournament, and sets up a pretty fucking awesome match for next week with KO too. He even had a bad sig segment with KO, and I thought that was wonderful with him. Yep. Being like, what does that little brother thing mean? Like, don't little bro me. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, if you read the spoilers, you know what happens, but we're not going to say that. But I am really enjoying, and I didn't think I would enjoy the United States Championship uh, title tournament, or the well, number one contenders, excuse me, that there's a number one contender tournament. That, to me, is like, that's the definition of buy-in time. But... uh United States Championship most likely gets defended in the Royal Rumble, I would think. I would, you know, at Royal Rumble, excuse me, but we'll see. I mean, maybe it's day one, maybe it's something else. No, day one, I think, is the finals of this. Oh, okay. I'm I sorry, think. SmackDown New Year's Revolution. Yeah, because this week's the semifinals, so I'd assume it's yeah, the SmackDown, whatever the SmackDown one is. I, I would assume would be when it uh, the finals are. So it could be the Rumble, but it, they could also just do it on a SmackDown as like the main event, too. That's fine. Totally okay. Anything else you want to talk about? I got nothing to you. Mm, let me make sure. No, we're good. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. What do you want to talk about that's very upsetting? Because I've got a I have one thing in my heat. I think it's the major thing we have to talk about because it was a very long segment. I literally fell asleep during it. They tried to do something, but I think when you try to do things like this, it needs to be more succinct, and it wasn't. It was the Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre promo. This segment just felt brutally long. I don't know how long it actually was, but I, I literally did fall asleep. I'm like, not kidding. Like it just, this has been a trend for me when I watch Raw late at night. It's either Seth Rollins or Drew McIntyre been putting me to sleep for years. Obviously Drew has been so fucking super high fire lately that he's been like the highlight, but I don't know. They tried, they tried to give like the story and like whatever, but it just like, it just went on too long. I felt like I was watching edge again, man. It was like, go out there, 
You can talk for fucking 20 minutes, do whatever you want. We got fucking Edge's doing that over in AEW now. But this felt like the quintessential Edge promo. And that's why it's heat for me. I mean, and, and the problem is, this is the negative part about teasing Rollins Punk. I don't give a fuck about anything. I mean, I didn't give a fuck about anything Rollins did before, but I really don't give a fuck now about anything if it doesn't involve Punk. So I think that hurts Drew a little. So that means Drew really has to carry, and he got in his own way, I think, this week. So yeah, I would say that Mac did a great job with the acting and and being like kind of a visceral reaction of like, you know, I don't get to go see my family. My mother Fair. died. Like, like I was like, okay. On. But the one thing, exactly, it was too long and it was a long explanation. But as I was sitting there thinking about it, it made me feel like, and again, I'm sure I can get talked into it, but it made me feel like Mac was trying to be a babyface there and that they were trying to make Seth Rollins kind of a heel because he was kind of like, well, this is the business, pal, you know? And it was just like, okay. And maybe they are trying to slow play Rollins because they think that CM Punk is going to be this internationally loved babyface going into WrestleMania. So I don't know. The honeymoon phase, I think he will be. I think it's one of those they're just both going to be over. Kind of like we saw in the promo last week. But That's yeah, the fun. Drew thing's weird because they definitely, they obviously, he's a heel right now. But it's one of those things like heels are often just misunderstood. And, and, and I think what makes a really good heel is McIntyre truly believes that he's in the right and he's the good guy. I think that's why it's been working. For me, it's just the segment timelines had to be cut in half. He had to just get to it quicker. He made his point. I was kind of into it, but then they just kept going. And that's when they lost me. And I, uh, much like Steph Curry to the Celtics last night. Good night. Uh, yeah, it, it's definitely, it was a longer promo. It was definitely a longer promo. And I think to me, if you're going to go anywhere, like to me, if you can hit five minutes or less, that's perfect for me when you're in the ring. But when you get to eight to 10, you got to be really compelling. You got to be really compelling. You got to throw barbs. You got to find something that's memorable. Otherwise, you just fill in space, right? Yeah, or it's going to be like simpler. Because I think a lot of time the best promos we think about are the ones that are like breathe. Where it's like they do something and then it's just like the crowd is chanting or going nuts for like 20 seconds. It's like, but this was just like just straight talking. And it's just at some point you can only, especially in 2023, 2024, we live in a society where fucking TikTok's the biggest thing. And those are like fucking 15 second videos. People's attention spans aren't there for that anymore. It's like, it's just, it's, it's tougher. So especially in wrestling, when you want to have a fast moving show and people are probably on their phones and doing other things anyways, you got to get to the point. And it just, it took them too long in this. I think the idea was good. It just, it took way too long to execute. And I think they lost a lot of us. So let me ask you this based on just playing JC against JC, mm -hmm. but doesn't the Roman character have longer promos? And don't you say yes, they're doing he pauses. he pauses. That like, that was literally my point of the way you make longer promos work. Roman Reigns comes to the ring. He doesn't say anything for fucking a minute because the crowd's just going nuts, which we love. Then he says, acknowledge me. They go nuts again. And then he starts to get into it. So yeah, his promos are longer, but it's like, it's simple. It's simple and it's easy to digest. You're not being overwhelmed with information. And it's just you're living and you're taking in the moment. I think when it's like the reason why I think we hate the Edge promos is it's just him talking at us for 10 minutes. Being all complex, which can be cool sometimes, but it's just if make it complex two-minute promo. Kind of like, like Alistair Black when we were knock, knock, knocking on Alistair's door. Hey, hi, 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 hi. Back in those, those were more succinct. But the reason we always call it the edge promo is because he just sits there and just talks at you for 10 minutes. And it's just like, that's so much information. And anytime, like, I mean, unless if you're at a play and you want to see someone deliver a soliloquy, 
then that's the time and the place. A wrestling ring with a hot crowd. I want the crowd reacting to what you're saying and what you're saying to your opponent. I don't want you fucking talking at me for 10 minutes, and that's what this felt like. Speaking of more talking, I want to just talk about something. There's something that bothered me a little bit. It was the Becky and Nia segment. Mm, I didn't necessarily love this because I felt like Cody Rhodes said it a while back. And I think it's, he said, it's like, he didn't say this verbatim, but this is what the gist of what he said was, is like, there's nothing wrestlers hate more than going out and have to cut a promo. And it's called like the nothing new promo, like no new information promo. And he's like, that's the hardest thing to do, right? When you've already done everything you need, you know, like, and I get what they're doing with Becky and, and Naya. They're making us wait till day one. <laughs> but the only thing I got out of this was that Becky, Becky Lynch is the moneymaker of the WWE and they don't want her to face Nia Jack because she's going to hurt her. Like, I get that. But that was kind of already implied last week. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't like... I like where this could go, but I felt like this week it was just like it – it asked the question to me, and I think it was more like on Twitter that I asked, you know, is she still the money maker for WWE? Is she still up there in terms of moving metrics and other things like that? I mean, she's definitely in the top five. Yes, top five on Raw. But – Maybe top ten overall in the WWE. I don't know, but not number I think, one. I two think or in three. the women's in the women's division, you could call her one A, B, or C because I think for like the past like two years, it's like, especially given health, it's been her and Bianca as like the two staples of the company of like the big draws in the women's division. I think Rhea has obviously elevated herself into that role this year, but I think Becky's still in that category. Obviously, Charlotte when she around is a big needle mover, but she's missed a ton of time in the past year even two and now she's out another nine months but and when you when you add in the men it's just like i mean especially on raw like we talk about every week there's so many top top stars on that show and then never mind when you include smackdown that it gets a little more muddled but she's definitely still one of their top draws and woman by far and i think i i get it too i think it is a little like thin with the, like the storyline of like oh they never matched him up because they don't want night to hurt a blah blah and it plays into like the naya injuring people so it works but my question I'll bounce back at you is, do you think this week, because we see them do it sometimes, like maybe if they did like separate sit downs with these two leading into instead of like just the same old in-print promo, or if they did like a video package, with maybe a backstage interview after, do you think that would be a little more effective? Because this did really feel like the same thing we've seen the last couple of weeks. I tend to think that Becky Lynch does better with a crowd behind her. I agree. Her. Yep. So I think that's why they had to parade her out. Because Nia Jax would have benefited from not being out in the crowd. I think having Nia having a sit-down or just having her backstage responding to something would have been fine. But this whole, like, oh, we're not going to fight. We're going to fight on my turns in San Jose. Okay, great. Like, I get that. But whatever, right? Like, I I think that Becky always has to be out in the crowd, unfortunately. That's my take on it. But Nia Jax could be anywhere and do anything. I think that Nia Jax does unfortunately create this knee-jerk reaction with a lot of people, whether you like her or not. But I think having a package showing her destruction, because I feel like the one thing I did take away from this, which I thought, again, which I know what they're trying to do here, and it's fine, but I feel like it doesn't help Naya, is like, I've made, you know, Becky will say, I've made my road. I've done what I've done. I am the man. I've done this. And all you are is somebody that was the woman that made me. So that's all you're you're resting your laurels on that. I think if Nia was more 
how did I don't even know how to say it. if she had more championships, if she was if she felt like she was on the similar level as Becky, that wouldn't have been an insult. But I feel like people are gonna see that insult and go, yeah, she is fucking lower than Becky. Then so she's gonna Becky's gonna fucking win. So well, that's like we've always kind of talked about it. Becky kind of has that rock in her where she kind of like in her promos really devalues her opponents by taking the low blows. But again, that's part of her character of being a man. Yeah. So it's just tough. It's just tough to like. I I really hope the match delivers. I hope that everybody has a good time. Hope everybody's safe and that we uh we you know we can continue down this road because I think there could be a good rivalry here. I really do. Um, I mean, I think the fact that they've never wrestled makes this appealing to me, and they're paying off that thing. So I was already sold on this in general. I'm excited to see it, which is crazy. It's if you never thought that I would be, but they've done enough. But yeah, this week definitely wasn't necessary. Moving on to something we haven't said it, so I'll just say it. Cody side quest. He didn't do anything this week. He literally just had to said how did the so, so the so the Nakamura <clears> thing, <throat> then, I guess, is probably what we talk about with that. Oh, well, he had like a jingle, right? So we had the so a lot of people enjoyed the uh the American Nightmare Before Christmas thing. It was creative. I'll give it that. I did not enjoy it because well, yeah, it's, it's whites in the heat. Otherwise, you would have put it in the shine, wouldn't you? Ask? I, no, I mostly just nothing did, but go ahead. nothing did. You paragatory. Yeah. Uh so for me, I looked at this and I went, good effort, good effort, good job, good effort. Uh, but all I could think about was the motherfucker's been speaking in Japanese for the last three fucking months. And then all of a sudden you make him, f- I know why, I get that, but you're making him speak English because you want it to sound cool. And then everybody's like, oh my God, he called his dad an inbred. Oh my God, he called him a cancer. It's like, there's a, they've gone a lot further in WWE than that. And I was just, I didn't bat an eyelash at it. Yeah, yet. but Dusty, one... Dusty's pretty untouchable. So when someone takes a uh, jab at him, like, I feel like everyone takes it personally. He's one of the most beloved wrestling figures ever. I, I, ever. I get that. I get that. I really do. But I mean, to me, it wasn't shock value to me. It was just like, he's just being a heel. But yeah, well, I don't we're know. a I little just... different. We're a little more like jaded. Cynical. And... Cynical. Yeah, cynical is the good yeah. word. Yeah. Santa cynical over here. Uh, yeah. But no, look, I, I, I appreciate what we're trying to do with Cody and Nakamura. We're trying, but like the other thing too, is like, how did Cody Rhodes know where he was? You know what I mean? Like he's in this ominous, you know, backstage with pipes. Yeah, wasn't it like a Christmas tree and stuff? You know, it was just Cody like, was it was, it was, it was like presents earlier, checking his stocking. It's just like, I get it. It's the same. It's it's the same thing that bothered me when Seth Rollins found the Firefly Funhouse. I was just like, how the oh, fuck yeah. does he know where that shit is? You're breaking the fourth fucking wall, but whatever. It just, everybody loved it apparently on, on, on Twitter. And I was just thinking to myself, maybe I am a curmudgeon, but I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I, I definitely didn't enjoy it. So I'm sure Guthrie will be like, you don't like anything creative. So, I mean, it was creative and I thought it was well done and it was a good idea. It just said it didn't do much for me personally. Cause I just, whatever, but no new fine. information for, for me, for me, it was just, it was just purgatory, but it was like, it was a creative way to have no new information and getting the dusty jab in there gets a reaction. So I see why people like it again. I thought it was well executed and well done. And a good idea. Just for me personally, it's just like, eh, it doesn't do much for me. Anything else you'd like to talk about? No. Okay. You want to just cancel the program? We'll be done. All right. They see you next week. No. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> let's just do the knockers now. Yeah. Let's just do the knockers. Moment funny. of the year. A very knockful Christmas. Yes, exactly. Uh, so as we talk about things here, let's get hopeful. Let's just Glorious. get hopeful. You're my only hope. I'll start because I assume JC is tired and hasn't thought of a hope. So I oh, will I give him one. Maybe. Okay. Half, half cocked. Kind of one. Half cocked. Not fully yeah. cocked. 
Yeah. Uh, so the one thing I was thinking about was you, you said it earlier in the program, and I think it absolutely is true. More our truth than judgment day. But as I'll go even a step further here. As I'm watching it, I went, okay, clearly WWE has their formula. They love the faction being a huge part of a program and that they are going to be basically the anchor of that program and move on. But if you go back even further to the bloodline, to you, what was the best part of the bloodline? When Sami Zayn was you know, integral in that entire thing. Our truth has the ability to replicate and probably on his own terms, do something like Sami Zayn. So what I would love to see here is somehow, some way, our truth becomes part of the Judgment Day. This is going to be rough, right? But I think to a point where he gets so red hot that he has to get a title shot when Damian Priest becomes World Heavyweight Champion. That's what I want to see. I want to see our truth versus J Damian Priest for the World Heavyweight Championship. I think they can make it work somehow, some way. I really do. I think there's a lot. There's a high ceiling here for some fun stuff. And that's my hope. You just compared our truth to Sami Zayn, who had mo one of the most incredible <laughs> run-ups to get a title shot ever. And you think our truth's gonna do that with Judgment Day? Oh boy! Hey, look, I love our truth, but he did it that before. Might, yeah, that little might Jimmy, be a little bit. You want to stretch? <laughs> little Jimmy was his. It was his peak before this. So I mean, that was like that was back in our, our truth. Ain't he ain't a spring chicken no more, Nessie? But hey, you know what? I wouldn't mind a match between hey, them hey, for the world hey, title. Ugh. Come on, I think it's I think it's doable. At a at a throwaway pay per view or a throwaway Monday Night Raw, I think it works. There's no more throwaway pay per views anymore. They're all fucking across the world in giant shows. Give it to a Saudi pay per view. I don't care, but like I think I think there's some doable like things that they can get done here. I mean, we'll see what happens with Priest when he cashes in, but I th I think it'll be fun. I really do. Interesting. Um, Interesting. You thought that was. Was that was that was that one of the weirdest hopes I've ever done? It was uh, one of the stretchiest hopes I think you've ever done. Because <laughs> I just, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. Usually when we go to Banana Land, you can kind of like be like, okay, yeah. But this one, I was just like, okay, that's like me coming on here and saying I want Tazawa to get a world title shot. You know, it's just it's no, no, don't say that. Tazawa and Truth are like the same thing. They're amazing. No. But come on, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? That's the mania. My hope is actually about a world title as well. But it's over. In the smaller company, AEW. Because you know what? One of the things that has been built up in AEW for years is the bidding war of 2024. And it feels like it's been ruined because we all just assume MJF like re-signed like six months ago behind the scenes. But he's started to pick up again because, I mean, we're what? Week and a half away from the new year? Which means allegedly if his contract expires Jan December 31st, January 1st, whatever he says, he should be a free agent soon. And that's so many. If they're going to run with this, I need them to go all in. This company's gone all in before. Many times, actually. They do it once a year now. But I really need them to go all in on this. And obviously, I can hope and be like, I hope that he hasn't actually signed it and this is blah, blah, blah. But no, I, I, I truly believe he has signed it and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But they need to go all in with it. And what I mean by that is Nestlemania. I need him outside the WWE show at day one, fucking with his title, making videos, fucking doing propaganda. Maybe he meets up with Cody Rhodes and takes like a selfie with him because they're buds. There's shit like that. I just, 
you need to go all in with this storyline because this is literally something that AEW has been building itself for. Do it on the show. And like, it's like you have a week and a half left. And like, he's obviously so into this deep with this devil storyline and everything else. But it's one of those things. It's like, if they're doing this, they can't half-ass it. Because if you half-ass it, we're going to laugh at you and it's going to be a fucking joke like a lot of your programming has been lately. But they need to go all in. He needs to go all in. They need to try different things. They need to hint at it. He needs to take it away. He needs to be showing up in cities where WWE is, doing all this bullshit. But I need you to be all in, AEW. Because when AEW goes all in, they're pretty damn good. But when they're all out, they're not as good. So, hashtag JC knows. Hashtag JC's hopes come true. MJF and AEW, Tony Khan, you guys need to be all in to the bidding war of 2024 storyline. So I do want to jump on that for a second because the one thing I wanted to ask was because the devil thing is so important going forward and they have a week and a half left, does it feel like, do you almost forget that there's a bidding war? Like it feels it like just, it, it, What this feels like to me is, do you remember when they did that Kenny Omega match? Because they did it because MJF was passing him yes. for the longest reign. And it just kind of came out of nowhere and they did it on like a collision and it felt it was forced in when like the Adam Cole, I believe it was Adam the Cole. Jay Adam White, the Jay White, the Jay White one. And they just kind of forced that in and it didn't feel special and it was something they should have built for. But it felt like Tony Khan woke up a week before and was like, oh fuck, that's a thing. It feels like that last week, AEW and Tony Khan woke up and were like, oh shit, Bidding War 2024. Oh my God, we have two weeks left to do this. And they just kind of shoved it in. And that's what it feels like to me. And that's what I don't want. And that's what sucks. So I need them to go into fucking overdrive and have it fucking go crazy with it now to make it worth it. And I don't I don't know if they can, but this is something like this is the biggest flaw with AEW. There are certain things storyline-wise where they have gotten better. They have called back to uh things. One thing I really love is that Keith Lee has been building back towards the swerve. We thought it was about other people, but it was revealed, I believe, on Collision that he's actually talking about Swerve, which, like, things like that, they're getting better at. They're getting better at having this picture and, like, calling back to things. And some of this short-term stuff is pretty good. But what they're really struggling is, is they have these opportunities where they do a good job setting up these big themes like this, then they completely drop the ball, and they half-ass it and, like, rush at the end. And that's the problem with a lot of their bigger storylines. It feels like they're just rushed and not fleshed out, probably because Tony's mind is in a million different places. But it's like, that's why you kind of got to separate and delegate a little bit. So you can have someone be like, look at this storyline is one of our most important storylines ever. I need you to put all your effort into it. And it feels like AEW doesn't do that. I don't know what their staff is compared to WWE. We know WWE is a million producers and more ability to do these things. But AEW, man, you spend a lot of money on things. You've got to put more time into this. And that's what it feels like to me, though, is the correlation is that Kenny Omega match, which felt like something that could have been so special. But it just kind of happened. And I'm worried this might be the same thing. Yeah, I don't okay? know. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting over something. I, I tried to I tried to stretch it a little so you could catch Thank it. Thank right. you. Yeah, I'm dying as you can see on, on the camera here. But it's fine. We're almost done. I'll hack up a lung when we're done. But yeah, it, it's um it's distracting to me where I look at it and go. It's a good word. It is. It's just distracting. It's it, it just feels like you're playing traffic cop in your own mind, right? You're 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 looking at the devil thing. And you're like, I got to figure out who it is. <coughs> Wardlow. <clears throat> if it is, you know, and then Sorry. it's just like, I had a coughing fit. <coughs> this um, is <laughs> the devil. Um, the other thing too, is like, it could be Adam Cole and MJF is like the scream thing. I talked about with like the, the two mm -hmm. killers at the end, because if you'd notice like last week, it still looked like it was the original devil more jacked, which was MJF. And we didn't see MJF last week. 
but then they've had the slinky dog looking, you know, one with no mass to them. And it's like, that's probably Adam Cole. No pun intended. I'm sorry, guys. And then they had the fucking gigantic one, which is Wardlow. So they're, they're doing a good job at least mixing up the people. But it's just, it's difficult. I think it's it's super distracting from something where it's like, here's the Continental Classic and the devil. No, don't get you me know, started. So. Continental Classic. Anyway, you want to go get your comeback on? Don't call it a comeback. They've been here for years. Well, not really. One of them just came back. But my Nestlemania, my Nestlemania, Jesus Christ. I am my your comeback, Nestlemania. Mm. My comeback involves a women's tag team. By the way, we were talking about that. Oh, new champions. Well, we might have a new set of challengers and could be the team to defeat them. The Kabuki Warriors are back, baby. Asuka and Kairi Sane are one of my favorite, if not my favorite, well, second favorite women's tag team uh, in WWE of all time. Um, I thought they had great chemistry. They work together. I think Kyrie's the perfect tag team partner with her moveset and the different things these two do together. So they got came back as a tag team, wrestled together, got the big win over Michin and Zelina. And um, it was nice that they were referred to as the tag team because when you have a faction, you usually have a singles and a tag team and blah, blah, blah. Well, they appear like they are the tag team of damage control. I think it works. If they're going to do a point at some point where they have all the gold, it makes sense. But these two are also really fucking good. So I'm excited for their eventual meeting with Caden and Katana. If you wanted them on SmackDown, I think that's going to be happening at some point. But it's good to see my girls back. Kabuki Warriors, you're getting my comeback. So I wanted to say something very quickly because we didn't talk about it on the program here about the heat of shine. But they had a backstage promo where Bailey basically declared for the Royal Rumble and said she was going to go after Rhea Ripley. And all I could think was, she just looks like Batista now. Da-na. Like she's going to win and then fucking find out. They're I all want her to win so bad. She's who you I know. want because I want the storyline to pay off. I think that's it, though. I think she's Batista. They're going to use that blueprint of Batista. I walk alone. Thumbs up, thumbs down. And she fucking beats, beats the shit out of uh, EO. I could even see, you know, God forbid, Sasha Banks comes to the rescue oh. at some point. But- don't get the yeah. internet all hot and bothered because it's those things are starting, baby. People are you know, hot for it. You know, they want that Monet. Uh, yeah. But, man, like, I, when I was watching it, I'm like, yeah, I would think – I would almost be disappointed if they didn't make Bailey Batista in this in this whole thing. I really would. I think it's I think it's incredible that we hate Damage Roll that much, but we still want Bailey to win this thing. Because Bailey's so fucking good, man. And, like, her heel run is like, eh. But, like, if we can ever get back to the point of capture some magic with Babyface Bailey, which they can in this situation, we know that fucking works, man. We know it works. So to have that again for her will be special, and it'll give her – I feel like she's never really gotten that moment on the main roster. She obviously had a million NXT moments, but her main roster run, they, like, they shot her up too fast, so it didn't feel special. But if they do this correctly, like Bailey and EO at Mania and Bailey overcoming the odds, it could feel like her like defining moment in WWE. All right. Uh, my comeback, I'm giving it to one Logan Paul. Yeah, I know he wasn't physically there, folks, but he did some picture in pictures that great. were fucking hysterical where he was just like, oh, here's some no-name guy named Camarlo Hayes. I have no idea. Good luck, you know, Johnny come lately. And then he just like, yeah, you're him. Who the hell is him? Like, he just went off on him. And then, you know, he came back for the, the, the other semifinal match or whatever it was, or maybe his first. But he just, he just really made his presence felt with the KO stuff, especially, but he just, he has a great time having a lot of fun with this. And you can tell that this is how you keep him peace of mind front in your mind. Even when he's not really there doing anything, the throwaway promo is one thing, but this was very interesting to me where he was physically watching them and you saw him watching them on his screen. So I, I love that little thing where it's just like, okay, he's not really gone, gone. He's still part of the program. So I, I can, I can bend the knee to that. And I really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, and these these kind of fit him like as a human like perfectly too because he got famous by doing these little viral type videos of like these jokey things and like these little quips so it'll just it's they're hitting all the right notes with him right now and he's he's just he's found his groove as a wwe superstar and yeah like i said i hope they keep doing this because this is awesome anything else ready to go with a big old finish big old finish nestlemania because we have a big smackdown this week we have day one of raw the week after that and then we'll hit on some AEW and world's end because like we said next week get ready for the knocker awards so it won't be a standard episode i'm about to cough so <clears throat> jesus i think you gave it to me you're making me sick god damn it but yeah we go to smackdown nestlemania we have the semifinals of the us title tournament lashley and santos ko and mellow who you got well, I feel like KO is the person that's going to win this entire tournament. And uh, I just, I'm really interested to see where it goes. But also, you know, on the other side of that, Santos has been doing really well as well. I would love to see Santos win this entire thing. It doesn't seem likely because it seems like Rey Mysterio's and coming up on the uh, the pike for him. So, and Carlito's been like MIA. I don't know what the fuck's going on there. Maybe they're holding off on something. Or maybe there's something we don't know, but. He's either going to, he's probably going to cost him in this tournament at some point, I would guess. I don't know, but Santos seems like the 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 bigger like I know Lashley seems like the, likes the guy that should probably win this thing, but Lashley. Um, I don't. How I do don't, they screw him? Do you think? I don't know. I mean, is I, he someone that KO can just beat clean in the finals? I would think so, but why would you? The thing is, is like why? Like unless you have Santos beat Lashley by some hook or crook, which we you know I'm I'm fairly certain happens. Uh, then, then like you know, if you have Bobby versus KO, it's two baby faces, and one guy that's overly strong should just beat the Lashley. Guy with- Lashley's kind of teetering because I think he's only like comes off as a baby face because the crowd fucking loves him, but everything he does is heel. So, well, everything Austin did was heel, but they all cheered him. So, you I, know, that's what I mean. It's just he's one of those guys, it's just like because even with Seth, like he's obviously leaned into the baby the past six months, but. He's been getting because of his son, the babyface reactions, even though he was a mega heel. It's just it's it's just that Lashley's kind of on that level where he's just he's such a big star and people love him that even when he's a dick, we still love him. Okay, that's fair. It's kind of like Rhea. Rhea, I mean, fucking mommy. She's as heel as they come and she gets cheered louder than almost anyone in that division. So, okay. I also I think I think it's going to be KO and Lashley and KO winning. I think. Well, me. Well, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the spoilers, so I honestly don't know. So I'm, I'm talking on my ass. But KO winning uh, this tournament makes a lot of sense. But I do think Santos, when he loses, it'll likely be because of Carlito. Um, maybe they save that for the Rumble, though, too. Who knows? We also, this week, WrestleMania, we have Dragon Lee versus Butch for the North American Championship. It'll be a fun match, but I don't, I I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy it, you know, but there's no substance to it. Yeah, there's not a lot here, and it's obviously an NXT title on SmackDown. They've done it before with this title, though, uh, when uh, I believe, I think Dom defended on SmackDown a couple times. But then we have the Nestle special. It is not only a theme match, it is a six-woman tag match, the Holiday Havoc match between Damage, it's actually an eight-woman, all of Damage Control, minus uh, the injured um, Dakota, obviously, taking on Bianca Belair, Shotzi, Michin, and Zelina Vega. Nestle Mania, how excited are you for this? Well, folks, this is what I like to call a good old fast forward, you know, because I just, I don't need it in my life. I don't have any results in it that will happen to make anything important at all. So it is a can't, can't miss. Yeah, right. It's a can't watch. I just want to see if anyone goes in the eggnog. I don't even know if they're going to have it, but I mean, that's when I watch these things, I want the, I like, you know, it's, I want a little bit of the fun, a little bit of the fun. Cause if not an eight woman tag, eight anything tag, 
get out of my face. But that's SmackDown WrestleMania. We hold over to Raw where it will be day one. What? What? So this is in not not next Raw, the Raw after because I think next week's like a clip show. It's on Christmas, so um, this will be in a week and a half. It is day one on Raw. We've talked about a lot of these matches, but first up, we have a number one contenders match for the women's tag team championships. Natalia and Tegan Knox take on. Zoe Stark and Shayna Baszler. I think the heels will win here since we have babyface champions. I would think that would be the case, but they also love them some Tegan and Natty. So who the hell knows, right? That is true. But it is nice to see a number one contenders match for the women's tag titles. We're starting day on one off like we care about these things. So I think that's cool. We also have Nestlemania, a women's title match between Rhea Ripley and the upstart Ivy Nile. I'm actually really excited for this matchup. Have you been noticing the feats of strength, right? Right, I was sitting there going, "They're listening." They're I listening love Ivy, the man. Ivy is she? I think she's a fucking blast to watch. I think that the thing is here is like we always talk about. Clearly, not going to win. Got to have yeah. a good showing. Show off that strength. Do something incredible that Rhea did not expect, and that's all we're checking the boxes for here. And I think that's a sometimes like we've talked about. Uh, you want to lose. You want to lose more than you want to yeah. win sometimes. And this is an opportunity to lose very well. I agree 100%. Next up, we have another women's match. A lot of women here on day one. Love to see it from Monday Night Raw. We have the never before ever in the history of WWE match, the Revenge Tour. Becky Lynch takes on Nia Jax. Gaga City. I would would go as far as saying I would think this might be one of the matches added to Royal Rumble. Like, I, I can see I don't think so. What I think will happen here is this will be Gaga, like you said. They're both going to be in the Rumble. It'll continue to pay off in the Rumble. Whether Becky wins the Rumble or not, the next pay-per-view is where these two have their payoff. Because that's one of those things where Becky wins the Rumble and wait until Mania, Nia fills in some of the gaps. If not, Nia is the thing she has to overcome before we get to Chamber and she wins it and then challenges for the title. So I think either way, Nia represents, remember when they used to do the show Roadblock? Nia represents the roadblock for Becky on her way to the title. So yeah, I agree. I think especially on day one, we're going to have some gagan. Who knows? Maybe even Nia picks up a cheap victory, but I think it's more likely we get a DQ or some bullshit. Do you, think, be clean. do you think this is the main event of Monday Night Raw? No, because the main event of day one Monday Night Raw is what is next. It is Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre for the World Heavyweight Championship. And I say that just because there's too many moving parts here, obviously, because we have a CM Punk lurking in the wings um, as well. I don't think he's going to pay much of a factor yet, but you also have a cash-in opportunity, at least to tease with Damian Priest. What better way to start the new year than with a new uh, World Heavyweight champ so if they do do it before wrestlemania this could be the spot it's also mcintyre and rollins two of their bigger stars this feels like it has to be the main event and does drew mcintyre win absolutely not it's either either seth rollins or damian priest will be walking out heavyweight champion i'm going with seth rollins i don't think damian priest is going to cash that buddy in until after i'm telling you after either at wrestlemania or the raw after mania is the spot now i really do think of that at this point, they're probably they're going to lose those tag titles to the creeds at WrestleMania, probably <laughs> in like a fatal four way match. Of course. Of course. Yeah, but that is what it is. OK. Yeah. So should we go to AEW? Sure. What the hell? So on AEW, uh, we haven't talked about it much lately because we've been quite a lot of Wednesday. Shout out Celtics uh, for dominating my life. Uh, but we have uh, don't miss tonight's AEW Dynamite Holiday Bash. Uh, we have uh, Continental Classic matches, Moxley, Jay White, Swerve, and Roosh, Lethal J, and oh my god, I don't even fucking care. But WrestleMania, we also have a number one contender match, Soraya versus Riho. I believe the winner gets a title shot at World's End. I mean, it's Rio because she came back, they made a big fucking deal about it, and like, 
watching Tony Storm on commentary, she was just like really hilarious about it. And like they made a joke about, would you, would you like me to do color or play by play? And they're like, aren't you in black and white? You know, like I just, I love that shit. But um, Rio all the way. I mean, Soraya, as much as I love her and will always be a big fan of her, she's done nothing. She's, she's, she's also literally... she's also the down the line for Tony because they never have fully paid off that feud. Riho, as we know, she comes over for like a month, yeah. does a bunch of shows, so it makes sense. I'm with you. We also have on Dynamite tonight, uh, Roderick Strong versus Commander. Oh my god, just don't give a fuck. This is Adam! that actually hurt my ears, and I yeah, have I'm so sick of him. I'm over it. It was fun for like a month. I'm over Roddy. It's it's like somebody has an unlimited budget and just decides to rent a trampoline in his backyard and says, hey, I'm going to run a wrestling organization. That's what it feels like. That's what it fucking feels like. Hey, guys. Over under, over under three botches from Commander in this match. I'm going to say under. He's going to have a good night. You're going to say over? I mean, I'm always going to say over when it's it's him or the Vakino guy. All, every t- all I do whenever I watch their match is botch, 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 botch. It's like... What they do is amazing, incredible athleticism. But it's one of those things when you're doing all these ridiculous moves consecutively, you're gonna botch it, and it just takes me out of it. I know a lot of the AEW like fucking like mega marks, fucking they just their their fucking erections are like through the roof for this shit. They don't care. Like it's a difficult. It's like, dude, like ah, do it right. How many botches do you see Ricochet do when he does shit like this? None. Know why? Because he keeps it in control. So that's what these guys need to learn if they want to win JC over. Next up, we also hear from MJF and Samoa Joe. I am interested in this for a little bit, but I feel like this is a huge devil thing they're going to do. They're going to forget all about the fucking 2024 thing, and I I don't know. Well, that again, that's the flaw. I agree, because we do have World's End in a couple weeks. Uh, as of now, the only matches announced are the Continental Classic Final um, which so I think the semifinals actually happen on AEW. Then, uh, then we have Tony Storm versus the winner of Rio and Saray, like we mentioned. The other one booked is the big one that's been booked for a while, and that is MJF and Samoa Joe. And the storyline has been Samoa Joe trying to protect MJF so he can have an insured title shot at World's End. It's bizarre to me because they had like what was it? Hangman got fucking <clears throat> jumped in the parking lot and thrown through the the glass. Well, because they were teasing like they they both accused Hangman of being the devil, so they had the devil attack him, so it takes him out of the mix. It just I don't know. It's a very, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's too many cooks. Storyline that has intrigue because you want to see how it plays out. But I feel like the execution week to week has been very lacking. And then the acclaimed came back on collision and cut a promo, uh, obviously since they were taken out by the devil, but now you have Max Castro saying he wants nothing to do with MJF because it's his fault. Um, so it's just, I don't know. It's a, it's, there's a lot of things here. And again, it brings me back to my hope where I'm just, I'm not hopeful for my hope because there's just too much bullshit going around. Like, how are you going to make this make us think that this fucking contract thing is so important when MJF is involved in a million fucking things? It's just, I don't know. It's tough. Tony it has is. not done a good job managing this. I agree. I agree. Anything else? I don't think so. That's it. Is All there right, anything well, else in AEW are you hot on? No, no. I just, I, we've talked about it over and over again. Get me off the Continental Classic. And no, I do want to mention, because shout out, it finally happened on Collision. Sky Blue officially joined Julia Hart and House of Black. It's about damn time! It is. They call her Sky Black, by the way. So. They did call her Sky Black, but I'm, you know I'm all for though. Those are two of my most improved of 2023, so shout out them. Okay. All right. Well, we thank you for listening to the Jabberknocker this week, but this is 400. So I just want to say very quickly, first off, thank you to the intern, Trav, our buddy, who has been here since day one. So without him, we probably wouldn't be here, obviously. 
Uh, we I want to give up a, a special shout out to our boy Danny Quinn, the original Quinn, although I would say the lesser Quinn at this point because, <laughs> oh! he, because he always gives me shit. So, Danny, I love you, but also fuck you. And then so let's go to the better Quinn, TJ, who has just done amazing work since he's even been part of this from just helping with the merchandise to kicking in with the NXT hangovers to I'm going to forget 50 other thing he's done, but an invaluable and part WA of for a hot minute. Yeah, exactly. Like he he does the fucking predictions. He does the fucking t-shirts. He does everything. He's 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 a a utility player in the jobber knocker and very valuable to everything we do. So I just want to give him a special shout out. Uh Guthrie uh for his weird takes and uh his pipes at the intro, especially He's on Todd, the show every week. On the show every week, Todd for doing the music that we still love uh and everything else. I'm going to forget somebody. I know it. I always do this. But uh you know, Ray Ray for being a fucking thorn in my side and being a Swifty. And we love him for everything that he can tell us about what's going on. Uh, of course, our boy Dami Feds, who we love dearly for everything that he does and contributes. Uh, Conway for being just fucking Conway for God knows whatever goddamn reason and loving J Japanese wrestling. God bless. Uh, our boy Danny Quinn from overseas because he loves to shame me in every single way possibly and shrinks me down to size every single day of the year. Um, and just, just a great, this is the whole part of the knocker. Like, I don't care about us having millions of dollars. I don't care about us being fucking YouTube sensations. The knocker made me a friend overseas that I wouldn't have. And if I stop today, I have that friend. And that Much is like a, WrestleMania. He only has one N in his name. That's true. That's probably the only thing that we have in common, but still <laughs> I love him dearly. And again, that podcast has made me more friends and made me more acquaintances. And he is just a phenomenal human being, even though he hates my guts. Joe Stopper does just yeoman's work across the board for anything AEW as well as critiquing everything we write down. But Jesus Christ, is he an amazing human being as well? And I just want to say thank you to everybody. And then finally, I have to – did I forget anybody? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I'm going to feel bad if I did because they're probably screaming at me right now on the podcast. Uh, I'll, even, I'll even throw in a thank you to JC. JC's been here for almost every GD fucking thing we've ever done. Uh, I'm sure. I'm Somebody sure. Somebody says day one as well. Yeah, yeah. A lot of day yeah, ones in this program. It, yeah, not ish. Actual day one. Yeah, it's just. I remember. I remember everything. I came up to you and said, "Hey, do you want to do this?" And you were skeptical. But uh, well, I was mainly mainly skeptical. I'm like, "Fuck!" I actually gotta commit to watching wrestling. Every no, week. I know, I know. But you do a great job, and wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way though. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and honestly, I wouldn't want to do this with anybody else every week because you know how to push my buttons very well you really do and you, you deserve uh, everything you have coming baby and i love that i love that about this program so thank you for everybody listening to the jobber knocker here's to many more i'm not going to say 400 because who the fuck knows but we love you we thank you for listening and watching and we'll be back next week with a special jobber knocker that's right the golden knockers the knocker awards will be out hopefully for a christmas present so we'll Ooh. see you next week with more Jabberknockery! Hi, you!